Welcome to Combinations, the podcast from North Staffordshire Combined Healthcare NHS Trust. When we first created this podcast nearly 18 months ago, we did so because we wanted to provide a platform for service users and frontline staff to tell their own stories in their own words, direct from the front line. And since then, we've been able to produce episodes featuring some very powerful stories of recovery, of addiction, of fantastic service, of partnership, of teams. But nothing could have prepared us for the challenge of coronavirus. Shortly after the coronavirus challenge started, we created on our website the Combined United Initiative to enable staff and service users and local communities to share tributes and stories and solidarity with each other and to give a glimpse into what they were going through, the challenges they were facing. But nothing is as powerful as hearing stories from a human in their own voice. And a few weeks ago, Dr Becky Chubb, one of our consultants and older persons lead at the Trust, delivered a powerful testament to a meeting on Microsoft Teams of our People and Culture and Development Committee. You're about to hear Becky's words, unedited, unscripted, direct from the front line. And it is an incredible story to listen to. Becky talks about tough challenges, of changes of working methods, but also of clinical empowerment and a sense of liberation. She tells us she's seen the best in people. She talks of living in the moment and she talks of looking to the future. So settle down for the next 20 minutes and listen to the quite remarkable testimony of the quite remarkable things happening on the NHS frontline in Stoke-on-Trent in the middle of 2020. I suppose actually doing this this morning is quite um, it's quite an interesting opportunity for me actually because it's meant I've had to go back to the start and actually think about the story and what's happened when and I'm not sure I've really done that to be perfectly honest if I wasn't doing this this morning I'm not sure I would have gone back and thought about the story so I guess I can only speak about my experiences and the areas that I work in, which I think you're all aware, but is basically the older person side of things. Um, so when when we go back, essentially, I think it all started for me when I remember on, I think it was the Friday, watching Boris Johnson do his announcement when we talked about going into lockdown. And I remember going on to Ward 4, the following Monday morning and pulling together the senior team and saying, we need to have a conversation. And I think there was that initial um, realisation, I think, of the potential magnitude of what we were perhaps going to face. Um, and then what it would mean for my patients. I know on Ward 4, mine are the most frail and usually the most elderly as well. So we sat down and had what was a really difficult conversation actually so it was just with my senior team on the ward and we talked about that actually if covid hits us and we expected it would do at some point we knew it would result in some deaths um, and so we started talking about what do we need to put in place now anticipating what might be coming our way 
So we did some very practical things um, and I will share this with you now. Um, we made sure that we'd stockpiled our end of life medications. Um, really practical things like I realised we weren't going to have enough death certificates so we had to order another death certificate book. Um, and then just other things as well. So we set up a WhatsApp group for the senior team on the ward so that if something changed or happened, we could very quickly just communicate that to everybody. And it was a really hard conversation to have, but I have never been more proud of that team. They just pulled together and I didn't even from that point onwards have to direct them or say what needs to happen they just ran with it and just got it and said right this is what we need to put in place so that was kind of the initial piece of work and then as with all of these things all the guidelines and policies started coming out from nhs england from nice from the regulators from everybody and there was lots of work there about putting in things like ceilings of care for patients. So that's having conversations with family about, um, do you know what, your loved ones really poorly. And if they were to carry on getting more poorly, despite what we're doing, what would you want to happen? Now, we do that anyway on Ward 4 sometimes. But what we had to do then was roll that out to our other wards and I think I underestimated the amount of anxiety that that would cause on the other wards. Um, I think for us, we're used to dealing slightly between the mental health and the physical health. And I think I underestimated on the other wards, they were very much, well, we're mental health and we don't deal with any of that. And so some of it was trying to shift some thinking to say, but this is about what's the right thing for that person. And the right thing for that person might be not to go to Royal Stoke. Um, so that was a big piece of work. And um, yeah, I, I think looking back, I really, really underestimated the anxiety that would cause because I'm quite used to that and we're used to that on four, but other areas really, really weren't used to that at all. Um, I think when I look back, the initial phase was really twofold. One was staffing and the other was staff anxiety. Um, and those actually were the biggest problems that we faced early on. It wasn't actually COVID per se, it was the anxiety of staff and the staffing issues. Um, and I guess my week got completely thrown up in the air. So ordinarily, um, I'm someone that's quite flexible and I juggle quite a lot of stuff and I quite like working like that, to be honest. But usually I have a diary. Um, and I'm quite old fashioned, it's still a paper diary. <laughs> but immediately my diary went out and this is my diary now. So my diary is two post-it notes. I have a post-it note for Thursday. So the current day goes on the left side of my laptop and the following day goes on the right side of my laptop. And at the end of the day, I take that one off, move that one across and put a new post-it note there. 
And when I was thinking about this presentation, I thought that's just a brilliant metaphor, actually, because I've learned there is no point planning more than 24 hours in advance. There's no point. You try and do it and you'll need to be somewhere else and doing something else. So for the last two months, I'm literally running off post-it notes. Um, I had to make some decisions as well in terms of the teams because I technically sit over six different teams. So we had to make some decisions about, okay, which teams do I really need to be in and which teams do I need to pull back from? Um, and so I know, for example, the team over at Royal Stoke, I've tried to get over there as much as I can, but the reality is I haven't seen them much at all. Um, but um, there's other people that could sort of, you know, could take that up and could run with that, really. So when I think about the workforce as general and how I think they're coping and I had a conversation before this with a number of our ward managers and staff nurses to try and get their sense of things as well and um, I guess there's some themes for me one is I don't think this has really sunk in yet for any of us we haven't really had chance yet to breathe and um, it feels like it's in waves so we have that initial phase of, right, let's do it, let's pull together, and um, I'll come back to this, but the sense of camaraderie, of just everybody having that shared purpose was absolutely incredible. It really, really was. But I think we expected that short, sharp burst. We were expecting that peak so we were kind of all prepared for hunker down it's gonna hit and actually what happened was it felt like you know before you get the tsunami the wave goes out <laughs> and it felt like the wave went out and we were just waiting and waiting and waiting for it to hit and it just didn't come so um, in a way, although don't get me wrong, from a public health perspective, it's much better that we haven't had that short, sharp peak. I think from a workforce stress perspective, it's actually much harder <laughs> to have what we've had, which is this long plateau. <coughs> and I think that's so much harder actually to deal with than that boom, short, sharp, hunker down, we're in it together, and it will pass. Um, so I think overall, I, I don't think it's sunk in yet. And I know, um, I know myself and a couple of my managers, whenever I'm in a meeting, I'm making notes. And I've realised I'm not making notes because of things I need to remember. I'm making notes because I'm aware at some point, I need to look back and look at the story of what's happened. I'm going to need to look back and think, oh, my God, look at the decisions that we were making on a daily basis and the potential, I suppose, gravity and potential ripple effects that the decisions we were making could have. And I, we just haven't had a chance to do that yet. Um, it will come at some point, but I'm aware 
it's like a diary actually my notes are really a diary is what they are now is the story of, of what's been happening so overall i don't think it's sunk in yet um and we've definitely got this wave effect so things go up staff anxiety goes up we put lots of measures in place we juggle things around and then it settles down again and this week is one of those weeks where we've gone up again lots of anxiety lots of staff off on the wards more cases on different wards so we're back up again this week and then i know we'll go back down again i think there's something about the uncertainty and the unpredictability about it and particularly about when it's going to end it goes back to that short sharp peak versus this long plateau i think not being able to say to staff, look, we've just got to keep going for another couple of weeks and then we'll go back to normal is really, really hard. It would be so much easier if you could give people a finite end to this. It's really hard to not be able to do that with staff. One of the other things I think that's occurred to me is usually Things can be chaotic and difficult and hard and challenging at work, but that's completely separate to our home lives. So that's me in doctor mode, but actually my home life just ticks along as normal. I can't ever remember being in a situation where what is affecting me at work also affects me at home as well. Um, you know, we've all got families and parents or grandparents or people that we've been worried about. And usually those two things are quite separate. You know, I can step out of doctor mode and go home to a normal life. And none of us can do that at the moment. And I can't ever remember a scenario where that would happen, where both sides of your life have absolutely been rocked by the same thing which I think is, is absolutely unique here and really difficult. Um, what I will say though, in terms of the workforce is there's so many positives as well that have come out of this. Huge, huge positives. There is a sense of empowerment, I think, amongst a lot of staff. And I've heard senior staff, so I've heard, you know, associate directors say to me, I just feel so empowered at the moment. I can make things happen. I think the clinical voice feels um, feels stronger, I think, than I've ever noticed it before. I feel like I feel like a, a doctor. That sounds like a daft thing to say, I know. But I feel like I can say, well, actually, this is my area of knowledge. This is what I was trained to do. I think this is the right thing to do. And people really listen to that. And I think there is genuinely a huge sense of empowerment. And I think we really, really have to harness that at the moment as well um i've seen the absolute best in people absolute best in people through this 
I really, really have. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about the NHS, but it's so true. Just that desire to do the right thing by people has just been so strong and has been an absolute pleasure to have been part of. It really has. And I think, again, when my diary went out of the window and I switched to post-it notes, I realised how much time I have when I'm not going to meetings. So I do have some meetings, undoubtedly, in my diary, but hardly any in comparison to what I was doing before. And I don't mean that all of those meetings were had no purpose, far from it, but there is a sense of liberation that every day on my little post-it note, I decide where I need to be most that day. And I determine that purely based on what I see around me and I think, okay, they're sinking a bit this week, I need to go there, or I just need to check in with that ward or check in with those staff. And and so, I don't know, it's a sense of liberation, I suppose, in that I am a complete master of my own day, really. Um, and finally, I've just had some thoughts in terms of, I suppose, things I've learned and I suppose things that might be helpful when we're thinking about the future. Um, I've learned in all of this, nothing has gone to plan. <laughs> Absolutely nothing has gone to plan. Uh, my predictions were completely wrong. Um, everything we planned out at the beginning really just got changed. Um, so I've learned not to plan too far ahead, which isn't like me. I quite like to plan ahead, but I've learned, you know what, live in the moment, whatever it is, just deal with what's in front of me that day. Um, I think as a doctor, it's I've never been in a situation where nobody knows the answer. So normally, as a psychiatrist, I absolutely don't know the answer, but I know I can ring a cardiologist or a respiratory doctor and they'll know the answer. But to have a situation where I'm ringing my, you know, my medical friends and I'm saying, look, I need to make a decision about this. Is there a paper I can reference? And everyone's saying, well, it doesn't exist. There is no paper on this. There is no reference. There is no flow chart. There is no guideline that can tell you what to do at the moment. Um, I've never come across before. Um, I found Twitter, actually, I've learned more from Twitter than anywhere else. Because things have changed so quickly, you found the official guidelines, actually, there's a lag between them coming out. And so actually I'm going on Twitter and doctors are just sharing stuff saying, oh, we found this, what about this? And I've linked to so many documents that have changed how I've practiced clinically through Twitter, which I never thought I would use Twitter as a basis for my clinical work, but absolutely have because it's been so rapid and up to date. Um, I feel like we're all living in a slight time shift at the minute. So I equate it to living in reverse dog years, where 
every week in COVID period is like about three weeks in normal time. So I don't, I can't explain it very well, but it's like time has shifted somehow. One day at work can feel like three or four normal days would have done. Um, I think in terms of the future and things that we can start thinking about now, I think we have to harness that that sense of pride and that confidence in the clinical voice. I think we have to harness that and we have to use that. That, you know, the fact that nurses feel a little bit emboldened at the moment to say, my ward needs this. I think we have to carry on, we have to cherish that and we have to harness that. Um, I, I've learnt that there's a difference as well between availability and presence. So I know for obvious reasons, we're all working remotely as we are this morning. For me though, and what I've observed, there is still a role for physically being there. I know that we can't all do that, don't get me wrong. But what I've seen on the wards particularly, and in the community teams as well, actually, is that there is still something about physically being there with the team. Seeing the team, the sorry, the team seeing you put on your PPE with them, I think is incredibly powerful. And although I have loved the technology and teams, I think is fantastic. And please don't let us ever go back from here. I do think there is something really human about physically being there with your staff and putting on a face mask with them that you just can't ever get from I'm on the phone or I'm on Teams. And, and I, I've really learned that. And when I've gone into a ward because they've been really anxious, actually, it's not been about seeing patients. It's not been about clinically making difficult decisions. It's been about sitting in the office, in your PPE and having a cup of tea with them. That's all it's been, that's it. Um, I think in terms of the future though, I, I am picking up some questions from staff already. And I think inevitably we're going to get questions of, well, we could do it during COVID, so why can't we make this happen now? And I think they're really valid questions, aren't they? And I know um, from a financial sense, finances have been very different and we've not had to grapple with finances in quite the same way as we ordinarily would do. Um, but I think rightly so, staff, um, you know, are saying, well, you know, if we could do it then, why can't we do it again? But what I will say is, overall, my sense is staff have felt extremely supported by the trust. I think the comms has worked brilliantly well. I think the information that we've put out has been regular, I think has been fantastic. I think has been really, really as clear as it can be. And I think staff have got frustrated, 
but what they've got frustrated with is what sometimes they've perceived as mixed messages and actually when i've spoken to them it's not mixed messages it's just that things have changed so quickly and also if i'm honest you know i have heard staff say how did it take a global pandemic for you know for us to get some of these things um, and I, I think that's shared across the nhs in general many thanks for listening to this podcast If you'd like to see more of the remarkable things that are being done every day during the coronavirus challenge by staff and stakeholders and service users working together at Combined Healthcare, then you can go to our website www.combined.nhs.uk and search our remarkable Hall of Fame of tributes on Combined United. Thanks very much. 